Welcome, friends and church family, back to our study of the book of Philippians. We're looking tonight at Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 30. Remember that the whole chapter of Philippians 2 is really about how our lives are to be shaped by the example of Christ. Of course, Christ was more than an example. He's our God, our Savior, the one who died for our sin and rose from the grave to secure our salvation. But he is not less than our example. Paul tells us how though he was in the form of God, he was eternally God, he took on flesh, uh, humbled himself, became born as a man, took the form of a servant. He um, was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, and therefore God highly exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above all names, and so on. And it's because of that that Paul tells us that we are to uh, count others more significant than ourselves, that we are not to be conceited, uh, but uh, to be humble. We're to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so uh, Paul gives us here in chapter 2 three examples of men who do that. One of those examples is himself. Now, he doesn't call attention to that, though uh, elsewhere he says in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. But here he just simply says, I'm willing to pour out my life like a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, meaning I'm willing to spend myself and be spent for the sake of your faith, your trust in Christ, and and so on. And so Paul is not concerned mainly or exclusively about himself. He wants to give himself to others for their good and for the glory of Christ. And then he points us to the example of Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a man who Paul said... He was uh, wanting to send to the church at Philippi because he didn't have anybody else like Timothy. And what was unique about Timothy is that Timothy would be genuinely concerned for the welfare of the church at Philippi. He would care uh, not only about uh, himself and the things pertaining to his own life, but he cared about the things of Christ. And so uh, Timothy was uh, like a son to Paul. Um, in more ways than one. One of those ways is that his life had been shaped by Paul, that he uh, sort of bore the image of Paul. He was one of those who was following Paul as Paul followed Christ, which meant that Timothy was becoming more like Christ. And he had this Christ-like character that that the Church of Philippi was familiar with because they had seen it. And then the third example he gives us is the example of a man named Epaphroditus. Uh, You may or may not have heard his name. It's not an easy name to say. Uh, But Epaphroditus was a significant figure for Paul in that um, he was another model of Christ-like character and service, and he was someone who truly risked his life for the sake of Christ, though maybe not in the way that you would expect. But he did risk his life for the sake of Christ. We'll see how he did that as we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 25-30. Here's what Paul says. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. 
I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So here's what we learn about Epaphroditus. First of all, Paul says that um, he's going to send Epaphroditus back to the church at Philippi, but in doing that, he wants them to know how much he loves and esteems Epaphroditus. Notice there in verse 25, he calls him not only my brother, which means he's a fellow Christian, a believer, but also my fellow worker and fellow soldier. So he sees Epaphroditus as a a co-laborer in the gospel, a fellow soldier in the army of Christ, as it were, uh, someone who's laboring for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, um, and Paul values him. Right? He's a he's a fellow laborer, worker uh, in the gospel, and so he wants them to know that the reason he's sending Epaphroditus back to them. Um, perhaps sooner than the Philippians had expected, is not because he found something lacking in Epaphroditus. Not at all. He esteemed Epaphroditus, um, but he needs to send him back, and he'll tell us why in just a moment. But notice also that he says that Epaphroditus is uh, the church at Philippi's minister, excuse me, messenger and minister to my need. What he means by that is Epaphroditus had been sent by the church at Philippi to Paul where he's in prison. And uh, chapter 4, verse 18 tells us that Epaphroditus had brought a gift from the church at Philippi to Paul. And that's what Paul is referencing here when he calls Epaphroditus a minister to my need. When Paul's in prison, uh, there are many things that he can't get and take care of for himself, like food and clothing and so on. And so uh, the church at Philippi evidently heard that Paul was in prison, recognized he would be in need, got together the things that they could that they thought would be uh, beneficial and a blessing to Paul, and they found somebody in the church who was willing uh, to go, who was trustworthy and respected, no doubt, and perhaps even was eager to go and visit Paul and minister to him. And that person turned out to be Epaphroditus. So they sent Epaphroditus to where Paul was in prison. He brought a message uh, from the church to Paul. He brought a gift from the church to Paul, ministered to Paul in his need. And so Paul is grateful for Epaphroditus. He loves Epaphroditus. He doesn't want them to think that he's sending them back uh, because of any lack he found um, in Epaphroditus. Instead, he tells us in verse 26 the, the reason why he feels like he needs to send Epaphroditus back. Where he says, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So there are two things going on here. One, Epaphroditus appears to be homesick, as it were. He's longing for his uh, his people, his church family. He's been separated them from for we don't know how long. Uh, it no doubt took a while to travel uh, from Philippi to where Paul was in prison. Uh, we don't know how long, but you would guess probably days, if not longer. Um, he um, also uh, is going to have to travel back, and we don't know how long he's been there with Paul. Could have been for an extended period of time. And so he is longing to see his church again. Now, this is something we can all identify with right now, right? 
Um, many of us have not been able to gather with our churches for weeks, uh, about six weeks or maybe more now. And uh, so we're longing to be together. We want to see each other. We miss the, the fellowship face-to-face. Um, and uh, we're longing for that. And, and that's how Epaphroditus was feeling. He was longing to be back with his church family. And so that was one reason why Paul wanted to send him back. The other reason was that Epaphroditus was distressed because his church back home somehow had gotten word that he was ill, and he knew they would be anxious for him, uh, just as you would if you heard that somebody uh, you loved was traveling somewhere and got sick while they were gone. And just think how much more um, anxiety there would be around illness and, and whatnot back then when there were so many fewer uh, remedies, so much less um, of the, the many blessings and mercies we have in the medical world today. And so he knew they would be anxious and concerned about him. And so he wanted to get back to relieve their fears and anxiety and just to see them again. So uh, Paul is taking care to make sure that the Philippians don't misunderstand why he's sending Epaphroditus back. Epaphroditus is going to carry this letter, evidently, that Paul is sending to the church at Philippi. And he doesn't want them to think, well, why does he send Epaphroditus back so soon? We wanted him to stay there and minister to Paul. Was he not helpful? Was it not a welcome gift? Was it not, etc., etc.? And Paul is making sure they don't misunderstand Uh, his reasoning for sending Epaphroditus back. He is a faithful brother and laborer in the gospel, but he wanted to go home and he wanted his people not to be anxious about him anymore. So that's why Paul sends him back. Now, what about this illness? This really happened? What kind of illness was it? How serious was it? Paul tells us more in verse 27. He says, indeed, he was ill near to death. So not only was Epaphroditus sick, he almost died. It wasn't a rumor that had reached the people of Philippi, but a genuine report of Epaphroditus' illness. And uh, it was very serious. Uh, He almost died. But then Paul says, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, here's something interesting. I don't know that I'd ever put this together before, but I remember a while back, a friend of mine uh, pointing out the sort of tension between Paul's words here about Epaphroditus recovering from his illness and what Paul said earlier in chapter 1, verse 21, that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And then a short time later that it's far better to depart and be with Christ. How can Paul say that in chapter 1 and then here in chapter 2 say, Oh my goodness, I'm so glad that Epaphroditus is still with us, that he didn't die. Is Paul being inconsistent? No, of course he's not being inconsistent. What is going on here though? What's going on is um, the Bible's uh, picture that it paints for us about death for believers is a little complex, uh, but it's not hard to understand if we think about it like this. The Bible says, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that death is the last enemy to be destroyed, which means it is still our enemy. Nobody wants to die. Nobody seeks out death, or they, they shouldn't. Um, we shouldn't want people, other people to die. We don't want our loved ones to die. Uh, death is an enemy. It is a terrible, horrible thing. Right? And sometimes we try to convince ourselves otherwise. We say things like, oh, it's just a natural part of life and so on. There's nothing natural about death. It's common. 
It happens to all of us now, but it's not the way that God designed it in the beginning. It's not good. There's a reason why we hate it and seek to avoid it and are grieved when those we love experience it. So that is a real part of what the Bible says about death. But so is what Paul says, that if you're a Christian, to die, even though it involves loss of almost everything you know, it is ultimately gain because when you die, you gain so much more than what you lose because you go into the presence of Christ. So that's why Paul says um, to die is gain and it's better to depart and be with Christ. Now, even though it's better to depart and be with Christ and death is gain, does not mean that Paul is untouched by or unaffected by uh, the near death of someone that he cares about. Uh, it doesn't mean he wants Epaphroditus to die. It doesn't mean that he's indifferent to Epaphroditus dying. Uh, Paul is not going to stand near at uh, the bedside of Epaphroditus while he's near death and say, well, you know, if you die, death is gain. No, he's going to be grieving. He's going to be praying for Epaphroditus' recovery. Um, he's going to be um, anxious over his health. And when Epaphroditus gets well, Paul says, it's because God had mercy on him. Would it have been uh, a blessing to be in the presence of Jesus? Oh, absolutely. But is it still mercy for God to spare your life and allow you to live longer and, and have more opportunity to labor faithfully uh, like Paul talks about also in chapter 1? Yeah, that's mercy. And Paul says God was merciful not only to Epaphroditus, but also to Paul, who would have had sorrow upon sorrow if Epaphroditus had died. So Paul would um, rejoice if he himself got to go and be in the presence of Christ, but he would not rejoice over Epaphroditus dying, he would have been grieved. He would have been sorrowful. So it's important that we hold those two truths together and we don't let any one of them override the other. The fact that to die is gain does not mean that death is not our enemy. Right? And the fact that death is our enemy doesn't mean that, die, that death has the last word. Right? It doesn't. Jesus has the last word. So Epaphroditus almost died, but God was merciful to him. God spared his life. Um, And not only Epaphroditus, but Paul experienced uh, mercy because of that. And so that's why he says in verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So Paul was concerned also about what the Philippians would be thinking while they thought uh, Epaphroditus was ill. He no doubt would have been um, experiencing, like he says, sorrow upon sorrow if he had to send word back to Philippi to say, thank you so much for sending Epaphroditus. He ministered so faithfully, but he he died while he was here. He, Paul didn't want to write that letter. Um, and so he says, I, I'll be less anxious when he's back with you again. And that'll give you a chance to rejoice and give glory to God for his mercy to Epaphroditus, for sparing him and healing him. And so that's why I'm sending you back, sending him back to you. All right. And then um, last pair of verses, 29 and 30, he calls upon them to honor men like, like Epaphroditus. And this is something we need to take to heart as well. He says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men 
For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul says, when he gets home, when Epaphroditus comes back to you, you need to receive him with joy. You need to honor him. Why? Because he almost died for the work of Christ. Now, Epaphroditus, we read nothing about him being physically threatened or persecuted. Uh, He didn't come close to experiencing martyrdom in the sense of being put to death for his faith or anything like that. How did he nearly die for the work of Christ? Well, he took a risk in traveling to where Paul was to minister to him. And while he did that, he got ill and almost died. And that counts as risking your life for the sake of Christ. Um, Missionaries do this all the time, not only in places where uh, the people are hostile, but also in places where the climate is hostile. Uh, um, And it's not just missionaries, but all kinds of people who experience, they take risks and they experience suffering and sometimes lose their lives in seemingly ordinary ways while serving Christ, uh, but doing things they didn't have to do, right? Paul says they are worthy of honor and esteem because they are risking their lives Right, to minister to others, and they're doing that for the name of Christ, and that ought not to be overlooked. Right, notice the, the last phrase there. He was risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So you uh, prepared the gift, and you uh, were ready to send it, but you couldn't all come to where I am. Uh, there's no uh, postal service like we have now. You can just send the gift, you know, um, on a truck or something, um, they had to send a person, right? And again, to travel was risky. Paul experienced all kinds of hardship and suffering in his travels. Epaphroditus took his life in his hand, so to speak. He risked his life to complete the service that the Philippians had prepared by bringing the gift to Paul. And Paul says, when people like that serve and suffer and risk their life uh, for the sake of others, we need to honor them. All right? Now we're we're seeing um, an outpouring of honor and appreciation to the people who risk their lives for us all the time here lately. Doctors, nurses, first responders, um, all of that is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about. Except Paul here is, of course, emphasizing the people who do it in the name of Christ. Right? We ought to honor all people who risk their lives for the sake of others, for the sake of strangers and neighbors and, and so on. Um, but uh, Paul, speaking to the church, is saying we need to think about all of those people who risk their life for the sake of Christ. Um, and it's probably more people than we would think of off the top of our head. Again, not only missionaries, uh, but many people who serve in sacrificial ways that uh, cost them and that put sometimes even put their lives at risk, uh, we should honor those people and give thanks to them, partly because they are imitating Christ. This Christ didn't almost die for us, right? He did die in order to fulfill the plan that He and the Father and the Holy Spirit had set in place. Right? He died in our place for our sin and rose again out of love for us, sacrificing himself for us. And all who imitate that 
even in smaller degrees, are worthy of our honor and thanks as well, just as Christ is worthy of our highest praise and of the highest honors.